We welcome you to a Monday here on Kale and Company Live, right here, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Hope everyone had uh, a good weekend. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. You can learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Dot com. Certainly, it was uh, a, a tragic weekend uh, in in New Hampshire, without uh, a question. Uh, the uh, event on the Friday of uh, last week at the uh, State Hospital, very close to where we are uh, here at uh, WKXL, uh, late on uh, Friday afternoon, and uh, as a result of uh, what took place there on uh, Friday. A community uh, candlelight vigil uh, is going to be held this afternoon to mourn the loss of Bradley Haas on uh, November 17th. Uh, The vigil is to support New Hampshire Hospital staff and uh, patients and all those impacted by uh, Friday's tragic event on the hospital grounds. Also uh, to recognize the courage and compassion of uh, first responders, mental health providers, and the community uh, at large. Uh, the, the first responders were there uh, very, very quickly on Friday and uh, prevented what uh, could have been uh, a whole lot worse on the uh, grounds uh, of the uh, state hospital uh, last Friday. The vigil uh, is going to get underway today at uh, 4.30 p.m., at the soccer field at the corner of South Fruit and Clinton Streets uh, in Concord. A parking will be at Memorial Field on South Fruit Street. Handicap parking only at the Philbrook Building at 121 South Fruit Street. So that is what uh, information we're getting from, uh, from the authorities. Yeah, in uh, law enforcement and uh, New Hampshire safety. And it's 4.30 this afternoon, the uh, candlelight vigil being held uh, at that location I just gave you, the corner of uh, South Fruit Street and Clinton Streets in Concord. And again, parking at Memorial Field. Uh, Of course, there's a lot of state offices uh, in the area, but uh, uh, parking will uh, definitely be tight in those areas. So uh, you're recommended to park at Memorial Field for this event and uh, handicapped parking only at the Philbrook building at uh, 121 South Fruit Street. Uh, A tragic weekend in that regard. And then uh, the uh, very next morning, very in the, early in the morning, in the wee small hours of uh, Saturday morning, we found out uh, about a fatal shooting on Lowell Street in Manchester, uh, very close to the Red Arrow Diner uh, on Lowell Street. And then another story breaking uh, uh, this morning. The Attorney General's office says one person is dead after an officer-involved shooting that happened early this morning at a residence in Franklin. Franklin police chief uh, said the incident happened just before 10 o'clock last night in the area of Central Street and at an apartment located at 32 West Bow Street. The incident involved an adult male and members of the New Hampshire State Police SWAT team, according to the Attorney General's office. Law enforcement officers responded to a report 
of a barricaded suspect following an armed disturbance in the area. The disturbance triggered a shelter-in-place order overnight for residents in the area of Central and West Bow Streets in Franklin, which has since been lifted. The Attorney General's office says life-saving measures were attempted, but that resident was shot and has died. The identity of that individual is being withheld pending notification of next of kin. An autopsy is scheduled by the office of the chief medical examiner. Uh, A fire also broke out at that location, but it's currently unclear how that started. And there were some fire crews that are still on the scene. No law enforcement officers were injured, and there is no threat to the public. The exact circumstances surrounding this incident remain under investigation. So, not not the best of weekends in the state of New Hampshire, to uh, to say the least. And uh, regretfully, uh, Bradley Haas, who has served Franklin so well as their police chief for so many years, uh, was the victim of the shooting on the state hospital grounds uh, late Friday afternoon. I guess the, the incident started at around uh, uh, 2.40, I believe, maybe 3.40, I guess it was, 3.40 in the afternoon. And uh, first responders were there very, very quickly, and thank goodness for that because it, it could have been as, as bad as it was, as bad as it was, it could have been uh, a whole lot worse. So uh, our... Thoughts and prayers with them, with the family of uh, Bradley Haas, who uh, uh, you know, was a great, great public servant for many, many years in the state of New Hampshire. And, uh, and we are grateful that uh, the, the shooter was, uh, w- was uh, taken care of uh, by a member of law enforcement uh, very quickly and uh, preventing any uh, further uh, deaths that that could easily have occurred, uh, if not for the uh, rapid response of uh, those first responders. So we uh, salute them, and uh, again, the candlelight vigil will be held uh, this afternoon to mourn the loss of uh, Bradley Haas. And again, uh, it's 4:30 this afternoon, so uh, parking is going to be tight in that area. But they suggest. Uh, that uh, you use the uh, Memorial Field uh, parking lot, which is uh, very close to where the uh, soccer field uh, is located. And we also learned uh, yesterday that former First Lady Rosalind Carter, the closest advisor to uh, Jimmy Carter during his one year as president, and there are four decades thereafter as uh, global humanitarians, Uh, Rosalind Carter uh, died yesterday at the age of 96. The Carter Center said that uh, she died Sunday after living with dementia and uh, suffering many months of declining health. Statement said she died peacefully with her family by her side at 2.10 p.m. at her rural Georgia home of Plains. Uh, Rosalind was my equal partner in everything I ever accomplished, the former president said in a statement. Uh, She gave me wise guidance and encouragement when I needed it. As long as Rosalind was in the world, I always knew someone loved and supported me. Uh, President Joe Biden called the Carters an incredible family because they brought so much grace to 
the office. Uh, he went on to say he had uh, this great integrity, still does, and she did too. Uh, Biden told reporters as he was boarding Air Force One Sunday night after an event in Norfolk, Virginia. Biden said he spoke to the family and was told that uh, Jimmy Carter was surrounded by his children and grandchildren. Uh, later, the White House released a joint statement from the president and First Lady Jill Biden saying that uh, Carter inspired the nation. Uh, she was a champion for equal white rights and uh, opportunities for women and girls, an advocate for mental health and wellness for every person, and a supporter of the often unseen and uncompensated caregivers of our children, aging loved ones, and people with disabilities. The Carters uh, were married for more than 77 years, uh, forging what they described as a full partnership. Unlike many uh, previous First Ladies, Rosalind sat in on cabinet meetings. She uh, spoke out on controversial issues and represented her husband on foreign trips. Aides to President Carter referred to her privately as co-president. Jimmy Carter told aides during their White House years, which spanned from 1977 to 1981, that Rosalind is my best friend, the perfect extension of me, probably the most influential person in my life. By the way, the uh, former president, Jimmy Carter, now 99, uh, remains at the couple's home in Plains after entering hospice care himself in February. So uh, there you go. Uh, Rosalind Carter uh, passing away yesterday at the age of 96. And uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, 99 years old. And, and the couple did uh, so much. I mean, he, he was not one of the most beloved presidents of all time. Uh, but uh, in, in terms of uh, being a humanitarian, he was uh, second to none. Uh, in his years following his presidency uh, with all the work that he and Rosalind did for Habitat for Humanity and all the other uh, charitable causes that they were involved with. Uh, they did uh, so much good for so many uh, following his, uh, his presidency. We will take a break, and uh, coming up, we will talk a little bit about uh, what happened over the weekend in Hockey East. And uh, all kinds of things still to come here on uh, Kale and Company Live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are <clears throat> presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Got that Monday frog in my throat. Now uh, we'll take a break and be uh, right back. Stay with us. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Great to have you with us on this Monday morning and uh, joining us, as is our custom here on these Mondays, our good friend and Hockey East guru, John Leahy. John, good morning to you. Ken, good morning. Uh, always a great pleasure to talk with you. Well, it is uh, our pleasure indeed, John. And uh, another another busy weekend has unfolded uh, in the world of uh, Hockey East. So uh, tell us a little bit about what happened uh, with, uh, with the men's side, first of all. Well, we have a new leader atop the leaderboard, Ken, in Hockey East. The, uh, Boston, the Boston University Terriers, who uh, prior to the season were... Uh, 
predicted to win first place in hockey. The Terriers uh, have the top spot now as BU uh, swept Maine uh, this weekend down at Aganis Arena. The Terriers have won four in a row, and they uh, take over the top spot from Providence, who got swept by UMass. So uh, there were four teams on the men's side, Ken, that had sweeps this weekend. Uh, BU with their sweep, uh, BC sweeping UConn. Uh, big weekend for the UNH Wildcats as they uh, sweep Northeastern. The Wildcats sweep the season series from Northeastern, winning all three games. And uh, uh, UMass, of course, with that uh, sweep over Providence. So uh, we also had Merrimack and UMass Lowell playing a couple of games, a 1-1 tie the first night in North Andover, and then uh, Lowell won an overtime 3-2. Uh, and then you had Vermont playing a non-league action. So uh, seven points separate the top six teams. Uh, and then you've got UConn and Merrimack at nine points each. And... Uh, even the teams that struggled last year have improved, Ken, so it's going to be a grind on a nightly basis in Hockey East. As it usually is, right, John? Yeah, but it seems more so this year because yeah. you have the teams that really struggled last year have improved quite a bit. Vermont has improved. Uh, Maine certainly has improved. And, of course, UNH, who struggled mightily in the first half last year. Uh, the Wildcats have had a terrific start, 6-2-1, and one, and uh, yeah. Wildcats are ranked, and uh, it's exciting times up in Durham for uh, the UNH Wildcats. Well, it, it is, and uh, they, they did set the tone early uh, this year. I mean, Boston University, which now sits atop Hockey East, as, as you mentioned, came in as the number one ranked team in the country, and uh, UNH knocked them off. Uh, in their Hockey East season opener. So uh, UNH got out of the gates uh, early and off to a great start. Yeah, and don't forget, they also beat the national champions, Quinnipiac. Correct. Uh, at yeah. uh, the yeah. Woodmore Center as well. Yeah. So uh, this UNH team has gotten off to a terrific start. Uh, the Wildcats are going to hit the road for Rochester, New York this weekend. They'll play a couple of games out at RIT. And, in fact, uh, the entire league will be playing non-league action. Uh, the only teams that are idle this weekend are Maine and Vermont, but everybody else will be playing in non-league action. So it's the time of the year, Ken, to take a little break from uh, league play, and uh, we'll see how Hockey East does against the other conferences. Who were your uh, Merrimack Warriors uh, scheduled with this weekend? Merrimack is involved in the Turkey Leg tournament. Ah, turkey Leg, which, okay. Yes, which they uh, they share with UMass Lowell. Uh, Merrimack will play Army uh, this coming Friday, uh, Black Friday at 4 o'clock. And then uh, Bentley will be in town on Saturday. And uh, with UMass Lowell, Merrimack and Lowell will flip opponents. So Lowell has Bentley and then Army, and then Merrimack has Army and then Bentley. So a couple of teams from Atlantic Hockey will come to North Andover this weekend. Uh, very good. All, all taking place uh, on the campus of Merrimack College, correct? Yes, indeed. Both games will yep. be on ESPN Plus if you want to tune in. And uh, Merrimack hopes to right the ship. The Warriors, uh, after losing to UMass Lowell, Merrimack is just 1 3 and 1 in their last five. So, Warriors are battling some injuries right now on the back line. They lost another uh, solid defenseman, Zach Bookman, this past weekend. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but. Uh, Merrimack has to hope to get uh, healthy on the uh, back line. And uh, the Warriors, of course, have some stiff competition. BU is the next league opponent Merrimack has. So here's to good health. Yeah, exactly. And uh, BU sitting on top of the standings with 17 points. And then uh, it, it's uh, it's anybody's uh, it's anybody's uh, you know uh, race right now because uh, that's that's the way it usually is in Hockey East. But as you said, it is so competitive uh, this year, and uh, lots of teams have an opportunity to capture that uh, Hockey East championship. What about on the uh, the women's side of the ledger? 
Well, uh, UConn now takes over the top spot on the women's side. The Huskies have uh, 25 points. UConn is on a uh, tremendous streak. The Huskies have won eight in a row, and they're eight and two. UConn uh, currently 12th in the nation. They took over the top spot from Boston College, who just had the one game this week. The Eagles uh, picking up a win, but a nice week for Maine, too. The uh, Black Bears went up to Burlington, Vermont, and uh, swept the Vermont Catamounts. Uh, the Catamounts are dropping to third place in Hockey East, but uh, uh, the UNH Wildcat women are tied for third with uh, Vermont. You've got the UConn two up on BC, and then, of course, uh, Vermont and UNH tied. Merrimack is in the middle of the pack with 14 points, and uh, Northeastern with 13, and Providence and Maine with 12 points each, followed by BU and Holy Cross. But UConn and Maine were the big winners with uh, sweeps, and uh, Merrimack won uh, the only game that they played. And uh, also BC won the only game they played and uh, a split for Providence and uh, three teams were swept. BU and Holy Cross. Ah, So normally, though, John, at this time of year, when we talk uh, Hockey East uh, women's play, you you see those Northeastern Huskies at the top of the uh, standings, but uh, not so uh, this time around with the Yukon Huskies up there with BC. And Northeastern now finds themselves in sixth place, a, a rare situation for them to be in. Yeah, Northeastern lost some significant talent in the offseason. In fact, they lost a ton of talent. So uh, we saw Dave Flint earlier in the year when Northeastern came to Merrimack, and uh, Dave is trying to fit the pieces together and then find out what fits. Uh, still a team with with a lot of uh, ex- playoff experience, deep playoff experience, and they've got a coach who knows how to win. Uh, you know, there's a lot of hockey left, so we'll see what the second half brings. But uh, in my mind, uh, that Northeastern team will be hurt from it. It's very similar to the men. You know, it's quite a race from top to bottom. And, uh, again, it's wide open, even though UConn and BC have uh, opened up uh, an 8- and 10-point lead, respectively. But we expect some great hockey from the women in the second half as well. Yeah, no no doubt about that. And uh, and Northeastern, not the uh, the clear frontrunner this year. Uh, UConn is up there, but uh, by a very slim margin over Boston College. Anything else going on in the uh, hockey world that we should know about, John? Uh, you know, I... Um uh, do you have a game? Do you have a game today? Do you have a? Uh, no. Oh, you don't. No game no, today. I'm actually, uh, you know, I'm doing some high school football on Thursday. As a matter of fact. Wow. Uh, I'm doing a high school game on my internet radio station, and that's going to uh, feature my alma mater, Stoughton High, down here in Massachusetts. They're going to take on Canton High in the 97th annual game between these two teams, and I'll have the kickoff 10 a.m. Uh, Thursday morning prior to having the two Merrimack games this weekend. So. Uh, going to do some football prep today, Ken, and uh, hopefully I can dig up enough information to make it sound like a pretty decent broadcast. So uh, Stoughton and uh, Canton going at it uh, on uh, Friday. What time? It's Thanksgiving morning yep. at, uh, at 10 a.m. Uh, that's the kickoff. And uh, so it's going to be fun as we, we approach the 100th game in this uh, series, which will happen in a couple of years. And uh, they also have high school football at Fenway Park, Ken, as well. And uh, my guest on my podcast this week is a former beat writer for the New England Patriots, uh, Mark Farinella, who wrote uh-huh. for the Attleboro Sun Chronicle many for many years. And right. Mark, Mark will be at Fenway Park tomorrow to cover the Franklin versus King Philip game. So good to see the high schools getting some uh, football action at Fenway. Well, well. 
Well, it is, and uh, certainly lots of rivalries uh, throughout the state of, of Massachusetts. Uh, where I grew up in Melrose, they always take on uh, Wakefield on, on Thanksgiving morning. And as you said, you're covering the uh, 97th renewal of uh, Stoughton and, and Canton. And it, it's always great because, uh, uh, you know, even if you just go to, to one high school football game a year, it's usually Thanksgiving. And uh, you get to see a lot of uh, old friends that you probably probably haven't seen in a while since the last Thanksgiving game and it's always a, a, a great time for uh, high school football uh, in the state of Massachusetts. Yes, indeed. And, you know, we've already been talking about the 100th game, which is going to happen in three years. And uh, there's somewhat of a famous Canton alum who uh, works on those Thanksgiving Day games uh, that I've done games with before. You might know him, Ken. His name is Bill Titus. He's a uh, Nesson camera operator for the Red Sox. Wow. And uh, Bill is a Canton uh, native, and he and I, you know, kind of collaborate on those games. We've done some games in the past, but we have already started to talk about the 100th game, which is going to take place in Canton in a couple of years. So that's a big event. We're trying to recruit people even now to show up to that game. Yeah, and uh, this year's game's in Stoughton, is that right? It is, it is. Yeah. At the uh, relatively brand new uh, football stadium they have there. So uh, uh, looking forward to that one, and uh, we'll kick it off at 10 a.m. Thanksgiving morning. Outstanding, outstanding. John, save your voice. You've got a really busy weekend coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else is new, Ken? It's my favorite time of the year, but uh, it's, it's great to be on the air, as you know. All right. Well, John, thank you so much, as always. And uh, we will uh, have, have a great Thanksgiving, by the way, and we will uh, look forward to hearing from you uh, one week from today. Ken, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thanks again, and uh, and best wishes to you and everyone over there. Thanks so much, John. Have thank a great you, week. Ken. Bye-bye. You too. John Leahy, our Hockey East guru, doing a little high school football. Oh, I tell you, Thanksgiving is great for high school football. Uh, the NFL, looking forward to it. And and, and the turkey, too. Hey, hey, by the way, wanted to mention uh, NCAA soccer tournament Sunday. Uh, we uh, talked about it earlier uh, last week. Mark Hubbard, the coach of the team, was on UNH1. They beat Syracuse, the defending national champs, three to nothing, three nil, as they say in soccer. So now the UNH men will go on to play next Sunday, hosting Clemson, five o'clock in Durham. Good crowd on hand yesterday too at the Wildcat Stadium for that one. Uh, we'll take a break. Kale and Company Live continues right here. WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by. Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. And uh, for the final time this season, let's check in with the head coach of football at the University of New Hampshire, uh, Rick Santos. Rick, good morning. Good morning, Ken. Thanks for having me. Well, it is uh, always uh, our distinct pleasure, Rick. Uh, thanks for uh, joining us all season long. Uh, once again, your team coming off a, a season-ending 44-25 win over the University of Maine on uh, Saturday. Tell us about that one. Yeah, it's just a hard-fought contest. Anytime you go against those guys, you know it's going to be uh, going to be a street fight, per se. Uh, certainly, it was a physical battle. Uh, weathered the storm early. They threw a lot of stuff at us with some trick plays, some different unique formations. Got to give their coaching staff credit. You know, they were coming off the bye. 
we felt like they were going to have a bunch of different, you know, unique plays and different things in the game plan. They certainly did that reverses, flea flickers, trick plays, and they hit on a lot of them early. So we certainly weathered the storm defensively, but I was really happy with that effort. Uh, they played a complete game on the defensive side of the ball, forced a few turnovers, you know, gave, gave up some, some big plays early, but did a really good job at halftime adjusting. Um, you know, on the offense, clicked. I think we scored a touchdown on our first five drives, which was which was awesome to see. Special teams, you know, stepping up as well, get, getting a long touchdown uh, on a punt return from Miles Tomlinson. Uh, and then ultimately those last games, you know, it's very nostalgic. Make, you know, seeing the seniors off, you know, the right way, having them – rush over, get the musket, take a picture. Uh, it was certainly very emotional in the locker room. I'm just so happy that they had that moment. And uh, you go out with a, uh, a winning season, 6-5 and five overall, 4-4 four and four, uh, in conference play. Uh, maybe not ultimately the, uh, the, the best finish that uh, you would have liked, but uh, at least you go out on a winning record and certainly uh, a positivity for the offseason. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the, with the last two weeks, what we were able to do and some young guys stepping up in some big ways, well, I think the future is bright here, and it, it, it certainly gives us a lot of momentum going into the offseason. Um, you know, I think the message just has to be, you know, the attention to detail from, from myself all the way down through the coaching staff, you know, needs to permeate through the program, and we lost some heartbreaking games, you know, by one or two plays, and I, and I think that's just what they need to understand, like, to, to be successful in this conference and in the, at this level. Um, you have to be on your game all the time. Um, and everybody's given us their best shot. You know, we don't sneak up on anybody. Everybody has University of Hampshire uh, circled on their preseason calendar, and rightfully so. Um, so, you know, it's going to be good to challenge the, the young guys in the offseason and get better. And uh, just just happy we are able to finish the season the way we did. Uh, your outstanding running back, uh, Dylan Lobby, did not play uh, in uh, Saturday's game. What was uh, the reason for that? Yeah, he had an ankle sprain. Um you know, he was going to attempt to go, and it just never seemed to get better as the week went along. So I, I think he, he might have gutted it out and attempted to go. You know, we had a nice conversation on Friday night before the game. Like, listen, you know, you, you've given everything and more to this program. Uh, nobody's going to kind of look at you any sort of way if you decide that you can't go because you're hurt. And, you know, he got invited to the Senior Bowl, you know, that week, which obviously is the most prestigious um, all-star game in the entire country at any level. And that's in, that's in six short weeks. So I kind of told him, like, listen, you know, your focus needs to be on that. you, you got a shot to get drafted, play in the NFL for a long time. So get as healthy as you can. we got your back. We'll find a way to get it done without you. And, and we kind of talked through it. Well, you know, it's certainly quite an honor to be uh, selected to the, the Senior Bowl coming up uh, in February in, in Alabama. All the uh, A lot of NFL scouts will be there, scouts from every team in the NFL. So uh, what an opportunity uh, this is for Dylan. Oh, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, we, we, haven't, uh, we haven't had someone invited to that game uh, in a long time. Um, and we haven't had someone with the opportunity to get drafted, I think, since 2013. So, you know, for him, it's the game is one thing, but I think it's those three those three days leading up to it in practice and his ability to go there and compete against the best of the best and uh, All-Americans at the FBS level and, and show that he can play with anybody in the country. And I know he has that mindset. He's ready to do it. Uh, he certainly has the work ethic, and, and um, I'm really excited to kind of see him seize this opportunity. You know, he, he must have a terrific work ethic because, uh, you know, I know that he only had one scholarship 
opportunity. Only one school could see his potential, and that was that was uh, that was UNH. And it's amazing to think about it after the uh, career that he's had. Oh, it certainly is. I, I think that's kind of been the mo of this place over the years. Some of the all-time greats. Uh, the only opportunity that they had was the University of Hampshire. So, you know, you give credit to, to Coach Mack and all the assistant coaches that have been here for a long time that don't necessarily care what, what other institutions are thinking. They trust their eval. Um, and I think the most important thing that was always ingrained to me as a young coach is, like, we, we want to make talent important, but I think it's the character of the young man that you got to recruit even more so. And uh, I know throughout the process they just loved who Dylan Lobby was as, as a young man. Um, you know, his high school coach raved about, you know, how he worked, how he was a leader, and he was everything, you know, and more here. So um, really happy with him. But, yeah, tireless worker, and he certainly has what it takes to play at the next level. Yeah, no no doubt about that. And uh, you, you've been there for his uh, entire career. And how, how have you seen him uh, develop uh, o- over those years, his maturation process? Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things where he came in early on um, and he was split in time with Carlos Washington, who was a very good running back in his own right. And then Carlos decided to, you know, to kind of transfer there two years ago. Um, and we had the opportunity to kind of build the entire offense around Dylan. And that was the biggest thing through the transition phase, um, you know, when I took over there, um, where we just felt like Dylan was so special that we were going to find creative ways to get him the ball. And you got to give credit to, you know, our offensive coordinator. Brian Scott and everything we've done the last two years. But I think Dylan, you know, his maturation process was just he he felt like he always had the ability to be the number one guy. He split carries for those first couple of years, uh, and he just stayed the course. He kept working. He never made it about himself. And then he kind of gave him the keys to the castle and said, hey, you're our guy. He ran with it. Um, and he just he did everything that we absolutely asked of him. And uh, back-to-back All-American campaigns, pretty special. Yeah, terrific. And, uh, you know, you're a modest guy, Rick. You you had a terrific career uh, at uh, UNH, but also another guy from, from the Northeast, and sometimes uh, uh, those players aren't as respected, as well-respected as they, they might be. Uh, what about you? Do, were you recruited by a number of schools uh, before you went to UNH? No, similar story, Ken. Um, UNH was my only offer. Wow. Um, Coach, Coach Matt kind of tells the story. They had offered like seven or eight other quarterbacks that committed elsewhere. Uh, and I was like the last one left on the board about a week week before signing day in February. You know, this is all we got, so might as well take them. <laughs> we, we got one scholarship left. I think I was the last scholarship of that entire class. Um, so, yeah, it's just that's why it just shows you how hard the recruiting process is. You know, Dave, Dave Ball was uh, a partial – track scholarship and he walked on the football team and he broke all those records you know Corey Graham was his only scholarship offer was the University of New Hampshire he played in the NFL for 12 years so it just sometimes you know you just you don't know how it's going to work out and sometimes the most highly touted guy that you have who has 20 offers and you beat all these schools those guys don't pan out so um yeah it's hard to do what we do sometimes (laughs) well the UNH obviously can find those diamonds in the rough right (laughs) absolutely there's no question yeah. Well, Coach Santos, we uh, certainly appreciate uh, uh, your your appearances on the show uh, throughout the season and uh, hope we can do it again uh, next year. Just give us a, a, a quick idea uh, before we have to wrap it up of, of what takes place now. Uh, what's next for the for the players in terms of, you know, uh, you know, weight room and then uh, practice and what, what's the schedule like in the off season? Yeah, they'll have uh, they'll have a few days off for Thanksgiving. Um, unfortunately, usually we're we're 
usually, you know, the expectations were staying in Durham for Thanksgiving together and getting ready for a playoff opponent, but that's not the case this year. So they'll go home for a few days, come back. Uh, they'll have weight training for about three weeks. Um, then they got about a month off for for Christmas um, and then come back in the off season, and, and that's when we ramp it back up with uh, some morning workouts, some weight training, uh, speed and, and conditioning and that sort of stuff for, for about six weeks to two months before we get the spring ball. Uh, as far as us as coaches, this is where recruiting ramps back up. Um, same thing, we'll, we'll, we'll take a breather for a couple days, and then and then we're hitting the road for about three weeks, going to see some prospective student-athletes and transfers um, and trying to get some guys to get committed for next year. Well, Coach Santos, thanks for that. And uh, and another uh, winning season in Durham, 6-5 and five overall. And uh, thanks again for being with us. Uh, always great to chat with you on these uh, Monday mornings. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ken. Look forward to catching up next year. All right. Very good. Rick Santos, head football coach at UNH. And uh, Dylan Lobby uh, going to the Senior Bowl in uh, February, one of the uh, prestigious postseason events on the college football schedule. And he will be there representing the UNH Wildcats. Back with more after these words. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back, Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com for this Monday, the 20th day of November, Thanksgiving week. Lots of travel will be going on, probably uh, in many cases uh, uh, starting as early as, as tomorrow. Uh, people going to their destinations. It's always one of the busiest uh, travel weekends of the year, if not the busiest uh, travel weekends uh, of the year. And uh, lots of people uh, flying this weekend. And uh, just to exercise extreme caution, we have seen a, a lot of motor vehicle accidents, uh, specifically in this state uh, in, in recent weeks. And uh, so we want you to just be careful uh, exercise caution. Don't, uh, you know, use your cell. Don't, uh, you know, talk on the cell phone unless it's, you know, through the Bluetooth uh, in, in your car. And, uh, you know, there's so many distractions these days with the way, uh, you know, people, some people are on their phones, they're uh, fiddling with their their dashboard electronics and, and uh, a lot a lot of distractions. Uh, so uh, try to avoid those. And we did a, a great program with the Department of Safety uh, last week uh, talking about the fact that they are going to be out uh, on patrol in force this weekend and happy about that. So stay in your lane and uh, exercise caution and have a, a safe uh, Thanksgiving Day uh, weekend, which uh, it seems to get longer uh, every year. Uh, Black Friday, of course, uh, coming up, but uh, people will leave for their destinations. Uh, probably some have already left. Uh, and uh, and we just wish everyone uh, safe travels and uh, get back uh, to your uh, original locale safely after this uh, Thanksgiving celebration. And uh, again, wanted to mention, we mentioned this at the top of the show, and we know that uh, not everyone uh, can listen to every minute of the program. And a uh, community candlelight vigil is going to be held uh, this afternoon, 4.30. 
uh, to mourn the loss of uh, Bradley Haas uh, last Friday. Uh, the vigil is to support uh, New Hampshire Hospital staff and patients and all of those who were impacted by uh, Friday's tragic event at the hospital grounds. Uh, also to recognize the courage and compassion of first responders, uh, mental health providers, and uh, community. And uh, thank goodness for those first responders. Otherwise, uh, this tragedy on uh, Friday uh, could have been worse. It was bad enough uh, as it was, and we lost a true uh, public servant in uh, Bradley Haas, who was the chief of police in Franklin for many years and uh, was serving as a, a security officer uh, at the hospital, at the state hospital, uh, prior to his death on Friday. The vigil, again, 4.30 today at the soccer field at the corner of South Fruit and Clinton Streets uh, in Concord. Now, parking is going to be at a premium. Uh, you know, a lot of people uh, use the parking lots of the state offices, like on the 4th of July or some other events at Memorial Field. But uh, because, uh, you know, it's a work day, parking will be at a premium. So use the lot uh, at Memorial Field on South Fruit Street. Uh, handicapped parking only at the Philbrook Building at 121 South Fruit Street in Concord. So that will be today. Uh, starting at 4.30 p.m. Today, by the way, uh, Monday, November 20th, the Future Teachers of America Day, Hug a Runner Day. Tom Raffio not in the studio today, so I can't, uh, I can't give him a hug. Uh, but if I could, I would. <laughs> and, and his wife, Ellen, I mean, she is uh, uh, an amazing, amazing runner. And uh, so hug a runner day. If there's a runner in your life, give him or her a, uh, a hug today. It's National uh, Peanut Butter Fudge Day and name your PC day, your personal computer. I don't know how many people have names for their uh, personal computers, but I guess there are, are some out there who do. I'm sure uh, many of you have heard uh, over the weekend about Bruins veteran forward Milan Lucic, he is facing assault and battery charges after his arrest early Saturday morning in the city of Boston following a, a domestic incident. According to the uh, Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, the DA confirmed that uh, Lucic is charged with assault and battery on a family member. Lucic will be arraigned Monday in Boston Municipal Court. He will be arraigned Today, the Bruins statement said, and I quote, the organization takes these matters very seriously and we will look to the Lucic family to provide any support and assistance they may need, end quote. And the Bruins said they would have no further comment at this time. Now, Lucic was a member of the 2011 Bruins Stanley Cup winner. He returned during the offseason, signing a million-dollar deal with a half million more possible in performance-based incentives. Lucic uh, did play the first four games of this season for the Bruins before uh, suffering an injury, and uh, he had uh, been disabled since that time. He made his debut for the Bruins in 2007, spent eight seasons in Boston, and then uh, returned uh, during this 
offseason. And uh, Bruins now uh, await uh, to see what's uh, going to happen here. But uh, right now, uh, he is on uh, the long-term disability list for the uh, Boston Bruins. And as we said, played in just those four games, getting a couple of assists before suffering what the team described as a lower body injury after getting hit with a shot off the ankle in a game against the L.A. Kings on October the 21st. So we will see uh, what happens here now next with uh, Milan Lucic of the Boston Bruins. I would say his future with the Bees right now is uh, very much in doubt. Bruins have the best record in the National Hockey League. They will be in action tonight in Florida against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Boston Celtics have the best record in the NBA. They continued their winning ways on the road Sunday night with a two-point victory, 102-100 over the Grizzlies in Memphis, Tennessee. To the rescue, it was Kristaps Porzingis. And he had the game-winning dunk with uh, just over a minute left on a great pass from Jason Tatum. And then, moments later, at the other end of the court, blocked a potential game-winning three-pointer as time expired. It was quite a finish, hectic finish to that game uh, last night in Memphis. Celtics hopped on a plane right after the game and uh, went to Charlotte because that's where they are, and they'll play Charlotte tonight. And then return home for a big matchup. Oh, I'll tell you, Wednesday, game of the year so far at the TD Garden this Wednesday night. Celtics will take on Giannis Antetokounmpo, Damian Lillard, and the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks. Should be a great showdown at the Garden on Thanksgiving Eve. And then the Celtics will have a game in Orlando on Black Friday afternoon. So Celtics uh, very busy this week, and they're now 11-2 and on the season. Best record uh, in the NBA. In case you missed it, last night didn't stay up late enough to see the, uh, the end of the Sunday night football game. Uh, Denver rallied to defeat Minnesota 21-20. And tonight, biggest game of the weekend, Super Bowl rematch, the 7-2 and Kansas City Chiefs. And the 8-1 and Philadelphia Eagles, the battle of the Kelsey brothers, Travis for the Chiefs, Jason for the Eagles. And the big question, of course, is, is not so much who will win the game, but will Taylor Swift show up in Kansas City tonight to cheer on her significant other, Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the big question. It's not not who wins or loses. It's if Taylor Swift will show up at the game tonight. And again, congratulations to the University of New Hampshire men's soccer team. This is big, folks. It really is. It's the NCAA tournament. UNH, the number eight seed, knocked off the defending national champion, Syracuse Orange Men last night, or yesterday afternoon, really, uh, three nothing at uh, Wildcat Stadium in Durham. So next up for the Wildcats, another home game 
this coming Sunday at 5 o'clock in Durham when they take on Clemson. Oh, big doings in, in Durham for the UNH soccer team. Again, our thanks today to John Leahy, our Hockey East guru, and to UNH head football coach Rick Santos. But we especially thank you for joining us today here on this edition of Kale & Company. Be safe out there uh, during the entire uh, Thanksgiving weekend, uh, always. Kale & Company, presented by Northeast Delta Dental, with individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more, find your plan at deltadentalcoversme.com. And remember, always look on the bright side of life. Thanks for listening. Great programming still to come all day long around the clock here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com.